Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week, we are talking about the Dancing Plague of 1518. Which is so crazy. I'm like amazed that we haven't done this one yet. I know. It was actually like, so I started the research for this and I thought it was going to be kind of fun and lighthearted. And the, the more I got into it, the more I was like, wow, this is like pretty dark. Oh, yeah. It was like, way darker than I thought. Yeah. Like you just think like, oh, like dancing, like how, how, how sketchy can that be? But it's like, oh man, like imagine involuntarily dancing until you potentially die. Yeah. It's horrifying. Does not sound like a good time at all. No. So I think probably most people, like I knew the name of this phenomenon before researching it. I knew like very little about it. So I think most people probably know the name, but you might not know what it was. Right. Um, so quick summary, it was a, a dance epidemic, <laughs> the dancing plague. Um, yeah, a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg. Do you know how to say Al- Alsace? I think it's Alsace. Alsace. I've heard of Alsace-Lorraine as a region of France, so oh. I think it's Alsace. Okay. Yeah, so now modern-day France um, in July 1518. So somewhere between 50 and 400 people. It's a pretty big range that we'll get into later yeah um took to dancing for days on end jeez so yeah that's the the short story is that right um so i also didn't know so this phenomenon was not limited to just this one instance this was just one of the most notable ones yeah there was like multiple outbreaks of like dancing plague along what was it the rhine river yeah which you know we'll, we'll get into this with theories but that might have something to do with it how it all kind of like traced the river. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely bizarre that it sort of had a pattern that way. Um, yeah. Dancing mania, uh, also called choreomania, which from the Greek choros for dance and mania for madness. Okay. okay. Which I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that's you know, choreography that makes sense now. Greek right. choros. Oh, right. Wow. Did not make that connection. Yeah. I probably, if I heard the word, I wouldn't have, but when I saw it spelled, I was like, Ooh, Oh, there we go. Huh, there we go. Um, also called uh, St. John's Dance and what people may know too, uh, St. Vitus's Dance. Right? St. Vitus? Yeah. Um, so it was called by those names because it was initially believed to be a curse sent by a saint, uh, usually St. John the Baptist or St. Vitus. Nice. Super cool. Classic. Everything yeah. back then was just a curse. Yeah, everything was a curse. It. We'll get into it later too, but there's definitely some interesting, it's like these things are so cool to me because you really have to analyze them within the context of the time frame. Right. You cannot like look at this from a 2020 lens. You have to look at it as like, wow, we were in the 1500s. Yeah. And, you know, in Europe, we were in like a totally different world. So. Right. Um. Kind yeah, of life sucked. Life sucked all day, every day, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it really did. It honestly did. Um, so yeah, this was a social phenomenon. Occurred primarily in mainland Europe uh, between the 14th and 17th centuries. So there were several outbreaks over a pretty decent amount of time. Um, I feel like we've talked about a lot of different phenomenon on this show where it kind of like pops up and then it happens maybe a few times or like regularly for you know, maybe like a year at the most. Anytime we're talking about like UFO flaps a lot of the time or cryptid sightings, like typically 
it happens in a very short span and then it kind of goes away. Um, but this was like, I mean, yeah, that's several hundred years where it wasn't happening nonstop, but it, it popped up repeatedly in three centuries. Yeah. Like it was a thing. Like I, and it's, it's wild too, because it's like, you know, we'll get into this more with the theories, but if it was some sort of psychosomatic or some kind of like, um, you know, thing where it's like they were trying to dance to get rid of some plague or whatever. My point being, it's so far removed over the course of 300 years. Like, it's not like a generational thing. Like, oh, grandpa danced or whatever. This would have been like, <laughs> you know, if your average lifespan is like 50 years, that's like, what, six generations? Yeah. Removed from the first time it happened. So it's like, it seems to be independent of like being transferred down from family to family or whatever. Right. So. Yeah. Or again, like uh, even a sh- like a much shorter span of time, like if you heard about it happening the town over or something that it would like start again in the next town. Like this was, yeah, very far removed. So right. it seems like there, there had to be some other reasons behind it besides just people being influenced by the idea, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, which is crazy. The One of the first major outbreaks was uh, in Aachen in the Holy Roman <laughs> Empire in 1374. And then it quickly spread throughout Europe. So craziness. So this particular, so again, this has happened many times in many different areas. um, But we're just talking about this one dancing plague of 1518. So supposedly began, it was, some of the stories just said it began with a woman. They didn't know Mm -hmm. who it was. Um, But if you ever do find a name, it's always uh, Frau Truffaut. Yeah. Uh, Frau Frau began to dance fervently in a street in Strasbourg. Strasbourg, Strasbourg. We were saying before we started recording that every time we record, there's almost always at least one thing that I like wish that I had looked up how to pronounce it. And I never do. It always slips my mind. Yep. And then I just, we just go for it, man. So. It's a, it's a cinema verite. Yeah. uh, We're very genuine here. This is very organic. Um, We've told some of you before who have asked that we do not edit our episodes together. We do one take every time. Yep. One take. Literally have never deviated from that. We don't edit anything out unless maybe we have a couple times like, but it's been something like all of a sudden my dog started barking like crazy and we just didn't want that to be in the episode for you. So we've just like had uh, my husband, Nate just cut out, you know, that 30 seconds, but Otherwise, we just like hit record and we just go. So it's like you're having a conversation with us, man. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we wanted. When we started this, we were like, we just, we have all these crazy conversations anyways. Let's just record it for people to hear. And right. for some reason, you guys all like it. Y'all love it. So that's cool. So yeah, this is legit. Any mistakes that we make, any slip ups, we like forget stuff, we can't pronounce stuff. It's all real. It's all real. It's all real. Very, very real. Very real. So, yeah, so Frau Truffaut began to dance in the street. Uh, she danced for nearly a week by herself. Like, I can only imagine what people yeah, were that'd be like, again, super dark. Like, yeah. it would be, like, funny for maybe, like, an hour. And right. then it's, like, two hours, three hours, eight hours, two days. And you're like, okay, like, she's still out there. She's still just dancing. Yeah, she's going for it. Uh, and, and like, you know, like at first she was probably real animated and like going for it. And then like, you know, three, four days in, she was probably more or less just like slumped over, just like barely moving, but still kind of trying to dance. Yeah. 
that's horrifying. Pretty much what I imagined, like that her bottom half is like still going, but her top half is just like wanting to sleep. Right. Like, did she sleep? Like, did she like lay down in the mud and sleep for a little bit and then like get back up and keep dancing or? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I hope she did, but that's still, even when you think about that, like she, if she laid down and slept just because she like needed to sleep. And then as soon as she got back up, she's like back to it. That is still pretty fucked up. Super dark. Yeah. It's really dark. Yeah. You just hear the word dance and you're like, Oh, but no. no. Um, so yeah, a week by herself, eventually some three dozen other community members had joined in. Um, so some accounts say that it was about this time, a week in or so when she, Frau Truffaut was taken away by frightened authorities to be cured at the shrine to St. Vitus, which was 30 miles away. Um, so with no other explanation at hand, local physicians blamed it on hot blood. Which, nice. That was just like a thing. I know, Jesus. Like, you got you got ghosts in your blood. Yeah. Like, let's do some cocaine about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just... Uh, people were like, I don't know, man. Just... Like, what does that even mean? Like, that you're... Like so, would that mean like a like a fever? Is that like what the implication is there? I guess that's kind of what I thought. I I also meant to look that up to see like okay, like what what was hot blood diagnosed <laughs> because of like what could you could you pretty much just do anything? And they're like hot blood. Yep. There you go. <laughs> like classic. Which and it is easy. Like I think it, it is hilarious. And on one hand, you do have to think like okay, that is crazy. But on the other hand, you are like all right, they didn't have nearly as much knowledge as we do now or right. like capabilities, but it still is hilarious though when you're just like basically they had like five diagnoses for everything. Yeah. And I mean I mean George Washington died because they bled him because they're like, oh he's sick. Let's just remove as much of his blood as possible. Oh yeah. And then he died from that. And he's like the president. So yeah. and he didn't really he wasn't really sick with anything that serious, was he? Like I feel like I remember he just had like a cold or something. Like Yeah, he like would have recovered if they had done nothing. Yeah. And definitely would have recovered if he had been alive today. I mean, I know elderly people do die from things like the flu, so maybe that's not totally true, but probably had he not been living when he was, he would have been okay. <laughs> he would still be alive today. Yeah. George Washington was pretty crazy. I know this is a very, well, not off topic, but I mean, kind of, I don't know when we got into George Washington. Wicked tangent. But. So, but no, I've been to Mount Vernon a couple times and it is cool. Yeah. They seem like a de- decent guy, maybe. Yeah. Minus I, the slavery. Yeah. I don't really know too much about him. So I'm just kind of judging, but based on a very small amount of information, but when you go to Mount Vernon, they bring you into the like main building and before you do anything, you have to go, well, actually, I don't think you really have to, but you, before you do the tour anyways, you have to go and watch this movie. And I thought it was going to be like this shitty made for kids, like bad actors in shitty costumes movie, like just like, here's the life of uh, George Washington. But it was right. actually a dope movie and yeah. it's only like 20 minutes long or something, but um, it's really good. And like, it really drew me in and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> And then you go and do the whole tour and you know, it's like a beautiful, they're beautiful grounds or whatever. And you get to like see his tomb, which is pretty crazy. Right. Um, but yeah, the movie was like badass, and yeah. And then you get to eat at Mount Vernon at like this, not swanky, but like this nice restaurant and you know, like they serve you cherry pie and it's like, Whoa. Oh, classic. Yeah. It's cool. We definitely went there with our grandparents. It was awesome. Um, so anyways, George Washington, Anyways. Hot blood. Yeah. So yep. 
physicians are like, she's got hot blood. Um, and so they didn't know what else to do and they think that it's hot blood. And so they just tell them that the afflicted people should just dance the fever away. Hey, they, clearly it's working for them. Yeah. They told them just to keep dancing. Um, so they constructed stages they brought in professional dancers. They hired a band to provide backing music. So like there Jeez. are optimal conditions for people to cure themselves of their ailments. That's like another thing that people feel like a lot of doctors back then were just like, figure it out. <laughs> Your body will figure it out. Yeah. I mean like way to lean into the problem. Like, yeah. And honestly the, you know, the presence of a stage and music makes it less dark. So at least there's yeah. that. It does a little bit like it's kind of, you know, you get a little bit of darkness with like now more townspeople are kind of like invited to watch the spectacle. Right. Which is odd, but I'm sure people were confused and mildly entertained at first. And then it was the 1500s, man. Yeah. I mean, what else was going on? <laughs> right. You're dying of plague and malnutrition. So yeah. might as well watch some people dance to death. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. So they're just, they're dancing. So again, this started in July and by August, there were supposedly nearly 400 people dancing. Jeez. Um, and then, so this is where it gets a little sketchy. So we don't know for sure if this part happened, but supposedly many dancers started collapsing from exhaustion. That part's probably true. Probably. Um, and then some supposedly were dying of strokes and heart attacks. Jesus. Yeah. Again, not that they necessarily... Well, We'll talk about this in the theories, but the idea right. with this is that basically they are essentially dying because of the dancing. Like they're dancing so much and they're, you know, not really eating, probably not really drinking and they're just physically exhausted and that their bodies are just giving out. Right. Um, which again, where the darkness comes in, you're like, oh yay. <laughs> yeah. There's a band playing and like they built a stage. This is crazy. And then there's just people dying. Yeah, like collapsing and having a heart attack, which 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 does track to me that like you, you know, again you're malnourished. You're already like not in peak physical condition. You're right. you're reaching old age at the age of thirty. Yeah, and you start dancing and you're not eating or sleeping or like you're out in like the elements in like the fifteen hundreds in Europe. Yeah. Um it all tracks. It all tracks that you would not survive that. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I'm assuming. If this is, yeah, now modern day France, and this is July into August, I don't exactly know the climate of France, but I feel like it's similar to here. I know we were in Paris in December one year. We were there in the winter, and it was similar. like, yeah, it was like about the same as here. It was like 30-ish degrees. So yeah. I have to assume that like summertime is pretty close. So yeah, like it's probably hot, at least, you know warm weather and you're just outside dancing all day. Like I not, I'm not a doctor, not an expert in, <laughs> in this, but in case uh, you're curious, but I have to imagine that like most people, even if you were in peak shape, that like if you just danced all day, every day for days or weeks, that it might kill you. Oh yeah. And I mean, like back then too, people didn't drink water. Like yeah. water supplies were like considered to be dangerous to drink water. So you would drink everything you drank was mildly alcoholic. <laughs> sweet so like it's a hot day and you're drinking like i mean probably relatively low proof but still you're drinking like beer and cider Ugh. and wine to like quench your thirst that's horrifying that sounds awful awful way to be alive awful time to be alive glad i live when i live 
Yeah, I was trying. Like, I almost so we haven't recorded in a while, as yeah. people may or may not know. We had a few episodes set up to kind of fill in the gap there. You guys, listeners, you may not know, or you may. Gray, his wife just had a baby. Well, yes, almost two months ago now, but right. <laughs> but He's Gray actually two months old on the first. Oh my god! Wow. It's wild. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Gray has a son, and so yeah, we had a little bit of a, a break there of recording while he was settling yep. into everything um man i was going somewhere with that before that oh so i was gonna say we haven't recorded in a while and i was used to usually when we record we record later in the day so i almost just out of habit like grabbed a cider to record and it's 11 a.m right now um i mean not not too quarantine. bad right? yeah. quarantine drinking yeah right we're still in the midst of a pandemic i can do that yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I was like, oh, I was thinking about what it would feel like to have a cider like in the morning and then just go about my day. And I was like, ew. So that's how these people felt all the time. Right. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, man, like you, you're you thirsty from sleeping all night and you wake up and you just grab yourself some mildly alcoholic cider. Ugh. Sounds like a terrible way to hydrate. Yeah. No, no, thank you. And then now we're just living in days where like I could literally just drink gallons of water a day if I wanted to. Like, not even, like, I could right. go to the store clean, and buy gallons pure. of water. Yeah, like, clean water. Not even clean water just from, like, my own town. I could get clean water from all kinds of different countries at the store. I could oh, yeah. turn on the tap in my house. That's insane. SEO. Insane. So, yeah. So, these people, there's supposedly hundreds of people just dancing and maybe also dying. Um, eventually, the council ordered the stages to be pulled down deciding that if people insisted on continuing, they must do so privately. Um, they even went as far as prohibiting almost all dance and music in the city until September. So keep in mind, this is a culture where communal dancing was very important. So this was a big deal. Um, right. An author at the time detailed the exception to the ban, quote, if honorable persons wish to dance at weddings or celebrations of first mass in their houses, they may do so using stringed instruments, but they are on their conscience not to use tambourines and drums, end quote. Oh. <laughs> um, like, why? What is that? Apparently, strings were deemed less likely than percussion to bring on the dancing mania. <laughs> oh. I mean, I guess if there's no beat, it's hard to dance to no beat, you yeah. know? I mean, I feel like I've... Like, you ever watched Titanic? They... Although I feel like was that dancing there maybe it was percussion in that dancing scene, but like all I can think of is the stringed oh, instruments. <laughs> there's definitely I think there's definitely a drum going in there. Yeah, like there's at least somebody like you know pounding their foot on the floor or something, <laughs> clapping along. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is that like they could make a beat if they wanted to, <laughs> but it's on their conscience oh, yeah. not to. So yeah, you'd go to hell if you did. Yeah. So which. This like this whole thing is like really I feel like people have not really changed that much because this sounds like something that could happen today too that like people start doing something weird and then like everybody embraces it for a while they're like yeah let's like get into this this is cool and then it's like going on for too long and they're like you know what <laughs> like okay if you want to keep doing this you need to go home <laughs> you could I don't care what you do behind closed doors but stop dancing in the streets yeah okay? we don't we don't want to see it anymore we're like over this <laughs> I'm like I'm disturbed. <laughs> Yeah. After that, after after John down the street died, I'm like, I'm over it. Yeah, over it. Yeah, they're like tired of dragging the bodies away. And they're like, okay, you know what? You guys need to just do this somewhere away from my eyes. <laughs> We're already dying of the plague. We don't need something else to die from. Yeah. 
I would think it just it's exhausting at some point. They're just like, really? Another person we have to bury and like this person was just dancing. Right. Like I it's 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 too hot to be burying all these bodies. Yeah. Aren't you guys dying of enough other things? Right. So yeah, so they were like, enough. Um and then they also ordered that those most afflicted be put into wagons and taken on. So, okay, the th- try, like this blew my mind a little bit too. So that previous thing that I read said that the, um, the shrine of St. Vitus was 30 miles away from where they were. And then in the other thing that I read, it said that they were taken to the shrine that was a three-day wagon ride. So Jesus, I don't know if that's accurate or not. I'm not, I'm also not an expert on uh, 15th or 14th century fucking wagon travel. Yeah. And geography or anything. Like, I don't know, maybe it's further than 30 miles or like, would it really have taken three days to go 30 miles? I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, what you got to remember is like this, first of all, this wagon is being pulled by like a malnourished horse True. and there's no suspension on it. Right. So it's like every time you hit a rut, like there's no paved road. So you're just going in like a dirt path with no suspension. So you're just like every bump you hit is like shaking you to your bones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that when you and think about it, like three days, that's 10 miles a day by horse, I would think. I mean, it's not like the horse is like running. Right. So, yeah. God, that, poor horse. That could be legit. Yeah, I know. Poor fucking horses. Um. Yeah, so that's where Frau Truffaut had been cured. Um, so they went to the shrine. Uh, priests apparently placed them underneath a wooden carving of St. Vitus, um, put small crosses in their hands and red shoes on their feet that were sprinkled with holy water and consecrated oil. And apparently it worked. And so like after that batch was cured, they sent more people to be... The interesting word here is forgiven. Not cured, but forgiven. Oof. Again, the idea is that St. Vitus was pissed and he cursed them. And so they went to go pray and be forgiven. And then the dancing curse is lifted. Um, yeah. So supposedly Weird. at its height, as many as 15 people were dying each day. So the final toll is unknown and unproven. But if it's true, that means that there could have been hundreds of people that died. Which is wild. Yeah. It's like, Again, way darker than it sounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I say like, so basically this is one of those interesting ones where, um, so yeah, historical documents, including, quote, physician notes, cathedral sermons, local and regional chronicles, and even notes issued by the Strasbourg City Council are clear that the victims did dance. Um, But the mystery here, A, aside from why, is if people actually died. We don't have any proof anywhere that anybody died this is more of just like people who were supposedly there said that they saw it but there was there were no actual notes or records of people dying from dancing um right but there are like engravings and drawings and stuff depicting people dancing like this is this was a documented thing yeah which is crazy um which a bunch of people definitely danced it's just whether or not they died from dancing yeah exactly they they danced for an unknown reason but we just don't know if they died. So the main source for the claim of deaths comes from a man named John Waller, who has written several journal articles on the subject and the book, a time to dance, a time to die. The extraordinary story of the dancing plague of 1518. Um, It's an intense title. It is. But the sources cited by John Waller 
that mention deaths were all from later retellings of the events. So uh, obviously there's nobody still alive from that or even close to being alive. Right. So there's nobody that we can talk to to confirm any of that. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much hmm. the what happened. Yeah, a bunch of people danced, maybe died, and then it just kind of went away. Yeah. And this happened multiple times over the course of 300 years all along the Rhine River in Europe. Yep. Yeah. So there are many theories, which we will now speak about. Yeah. So I think the theory that I had thought of before I even read it is the whole ergot poisoning and like LSD thing. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear this a lot, listeners, um, about different historical events. Like, for example, the Salem Witch Trials. Mm -hmm. One, one of the theories is that, um, you know, so back in the day, you'd harvest your grain and you'd have to store it for a long period of time. And if you were storing it somewhere that was like wet and damp, this particular mold would grow that was called ergot, and it grew specifically on wheat. And ergot produces a chemical that is similar to LSD, and it's actually where LSD was first derived from mm -hmm. back in the 1950s or 60s. So if you eat this wheat that's infected with this fungus, you'll trip really hard like you just took LSD. Yeah. So this has been posited as an excuse for the Salem witch trials and also this dancing plague that, you know, this whole town was eating from these grain storage and um, they essentially all just started to trip on acid and that's why they all started dancing. Yeah. Which seems plausible, but I feel like, so on one hand, not everybody's going to, like, take acid and start dancing. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like not everybody would have the exact same reaction. Plus, while acid is sort of, like, long-lasting, you're not going to dance. Like, it's not going to hit you for, like, a week. Like, right. you're not going to be, like, tripping for a week from one dose. Although, I guess, if the whole grain storage is infected with the ergot, then you'd keep eating, so you'd be basically just keep being continuously dosed with LSD, basically. Yeah, that that was I was just hmm. thinking about that because so um, the author of that book, John Waller, he thinks that this theory. His quote was uh, quote This theory does not seem tenable since it is unlikely that those poisoned by ergot could have danced for days at a time, like you said. Um, right. Nor would so many people have reacted to its psychotropic chemicals in the same way. Also, like you said. Um, right. But yeah, you're right. If it was potentially an entire storage worth, and I don't really know how that town operated. Like, was everybody eating wheat products that came from the same storage? Or is it, you know, were there people that had maybe their own source of it? Like, so, which I guess would explain, obviously, it wasn't the entire town. Right. So maybe there was just people that were eating wheat products that came from this one area. I don't know. Um hmm. Yeah, he, he also said that it, he didn't think it explained why virtually every outbreak occurred somewhere along the Rhine and Moselle rivers, um, areas linked by water but with quite different climates and crops. So that would be, like, I feel like maybe the ergot could explain a single outbreak, but then why would there be, I mean, not that, I guess I don't know how common the ergot poisoning was. Right, and I time. guess, well, I will probably never know, but... yeah. Um. Yeah, like, would it would it be something, I guess, I mean, like, logically, I guess, you know, the river would be a common source 
that all the towns along the river would like, you know, you'd use the river water to grow your crops or whatever. Right. So I guess it would make sense that if there were spores that were carried in the river or maybe, but then again, is it, are the spores carried in the river or is it like an airborne thing? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. It's, it's a very interesting theory. And I think one that like can't really be fully proven or disproven. I mean, obviously it's a theory, but Right. can't be disproven really like i feel like every time i come up with something where i'm like ah but what about this i'm like well i don't really know interesting side note so i know you have not seen this movie yet but you need to and anybody listening to this needs to uh the movie the witch oh i've seen the witch oh you've seen the witch oh yeah what the fuck i feel like the, yeah, the last time we talked about it you hadn't seen it oh no yeah the witch that's like arguably my favorite horror movie ever made. Yeah, me too. Like maybe it's definitely in my top three, if not like right up there. Yeah. Holy shit. So one of the theories about that movie is very early on in the movie for people not listening or listening, but haven't seen it. There's no spoilers here, but um, very early on in the movie, the father makes a comment about the uh, crop of something being potentially tainted. Oh. And so there's a theory that like none of that stuff in the movie actually happened, that it was just them tripping balls. Interesting. Yeah. That actually explains a lot. It explains a lot. Oh, that movie hmm. is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody watching and or watching. Wow. <laughs> Anybody listening? Watching with your ears. Yes. Watching with your ears. Yeah. I'm just, you know, people are just sitting here listening to us like with their eyes closed and they're just like imagining us talking. No, that's creepy. Um, that is creepy. But if you watch the movie, you need to, I have seen it, I think three times now. And the third time I watched it, I just happened to be watching it. it I, before kids or before my one kid, right. um, I used to a lot of the times, like because I work from home and I have a very relaxed schedule, I would sometimes get up in the mornings and the first thing I would do is watch a movie. Um, or sometimes I would watch <laughs> a movie right before bed, like in bed with my laptop. And because of that, I would have headphones in. And so I just happened to have, um, captions on the third time that I watched it because I was like well like I have headphones in but the headphones are kind of shitty and I can't always hear that well so I'll just put the captions on so I don't miss anything and right. it like changed the whole thing because if you've seen it you know they speak in very heavy accents um, and without the captions there's a lot of stuff that you would miss them saying because it's just such a thick accent that you might just not like i swear the first time we watched it we were like what the fuck are they saying what the, are they speaking english right now <laughs> yeah like am i having a stroke right now like i do not understand anything that's happening um so the captions make a big difference so if you watch it i'm a huge fan of closed captioning in general we watch pretty much everything with closed captioning but yeah we do too it's awesome you can yeah it just it changes changes everything there's a lot of stuff i've like watched some things recently that i've seen many times that with the closed captioning i'm like oh that's what they said right there like i always thought right. they said something else right like wow um so anyways great movie and also ties in with the ergot so that is one theory that perhaps everybody was well all these dancing people were tripping balls which makes sense it's plausible it would i mean that would to me that would lend itself to the the sort of idea that they were like dancing against their will in some way. Right. Like they couldn't stop and they, I don't know. I would like love to read some, if there were any sort of like secondhand stories, like of experiences of people in the town who weren't dancing, who like maybe tried to communicate with the people who were and tried to talk to them to be like, what are you doing? Right. Like what did the people say? I would love to know. Yeah. That'd be, 
probably kind of frightening too. Yeah, kind of frightening. I would like, I'm just interested to know, like, were they mentally, were they so in it that they were just like, yeah. Or like, if you talk to them, were they like, please help me. Like, I can't stop. I don't help know. Help me God. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know. Hmm. Um, so the most misogynistic theory comes from uh, this guy, Paris Celsus, a Swiss physician and philosopher of the German Renaissance who uh. believes that Frau Truffaut started her marathon dancing in a ploy to embarrass her husband who there found the whole thing very distasteful. Um, and other women joined in to humiliate their husbands as well. That so, explains everything. Yeah. There we go. Of course. Uh, it was wow. classified by him as Coria lasciva, which is caused by voluptuous desires, quote, without fear or respect. So. Yeah, that's like wildly misogynistic. Yeah, you got to just have at least one theory that just makes you like completely roll your eyes. So. Hey, it was the, it was the Renaissance, man. Yeah, the German Renaissance. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you, if you wanted a theory that'll make you roll your eyes, I think uh, it goes without saying, but I don't support this theory. No, um, no, no, no. But you know nope. what? If she did do it to humiliate her husband, like good and i hope good on her i, I hope, hope he was husband. humiliated i hope he was humiliated i hope he fucking died yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i mean it was the 1500s so he definitely died of some horrific way yeah he but. did yeah he probably had an unpleasant death so yeah so i'm glad about that but i mean he must have I, I have to think like when i look back to times when it was like so i mean not that it's things are so much better now really but when I think back to times when it was like so socially unacceptable to like disrespect your husband. And I think like there are stories of women going so above and beyond to disrespect their husband. Like I have to like whatever they were doing had to be so fucking shitty. If it was so normal for men to be shitty to their wives that if somebody was like going above and beyond the normal expectation of shittiness, that it must've been really bad. Right. Like, damn, like this guy was really fucked up. Yeah. Like we were like, conditioned to just accept our husbands being fucking assholes but this guy was like a real asshole right so extra i just assumed that he deserved it um so yeah so john waller the author he speculates that the dancing was uh, stress-induced psychosis on a mass level um and the inhabitants also tended to be superstitious so it could have been an example of what's called psychogenic movement disorder happening in mass hysteria. So mass hysteria, also called mass psychogenic illness, is the rapid spread of illness signs and symptoms affecting members of a cohesive group where there is no viral or bacterial agent responsible. So again, the whole idea that these people were not sick in the sense that we would think. Um, Different than other types of collective delusions by involving physical symptoms. So there's a lot of instances of mass hysteria that don't have this physical component of something like dancing. Right. Um, Again, there were high levels of psychological stress. um, Yeah. As we've talked about. Yeah. The years in Alsace were brutal, even for the standards of the middle ages. There were like a whole string of bad harvests. They had political instability, um, the arrival of syphilis. So people were stressed. Yeah. To say the least. And like, so I, I, I tie this back to the witch actually in a little, in a little bit, I talk a lot about, um, psychological safety. Mm. So like, for example, part of the reason why the witch is such an effective horror movie is that there is no psychological safety. There's no like point in the movie where you're like, 
oh, okay. And you can like take a deep breath. It's just mounting stress. So oh, yeah. every every time your attention is brought to a different part of like the universe it creates, it's like, wow, that's fucked up. Wow, that's stressful. Oh man, imagine if that was happening. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps building and building. And there's no point where you're like, well, at least they have this. Yeah. That's kind of like what living in France in the 1500s would be like, I feel like. Yeah. You know, you have like the plague, syphilis. You can't drink water because you'll get cholera and die of diarrhea. <laughs> you're you're drinking mildly alcoholic drinks all the time. There's no nutritious food. You're eating food, but you're dying of malnutrition. Mm-hmm. You're going to die when you're 30. You're, you're working in the fields all day. Political instability. There's just like no point in your life where you're like, well, at least I have that. I guess the closest thing you'd have would be like God or like the church. Yeah. Which is such a small, like that's almost worse. So you're like, well, at least I have the church. But then like the church like won't let you like get divorced or like have any kind of autonomy as a woman. So right. there's oh, no point in your life where you're like, well, at least I have this. Your children die when they're like one year, one years old. So you're not like, at least I have my kids. Seriously. Well, yeah, you'd like, I was uh, reading something the other day about um, that whole idea of like sort of this was going back to, <laughs> we're going to like take a really big seg here to Bill Gates, but somebody uh. was, I've been uh, debunking a lot of conspiracy theories lately because that's fun for me for some reason. And, hey. uh, you know, when people get into like, I mean, we talk a lot about conspiracy theories, but at least they're like fun ones. And like a lot of times we don't fully believe, like we believe the crazy part, but like not to the point where we're going to be like harmful about it. Right. It's like, it's like suspended disbelief. So you can hear the story. Yeah. And, uh, we do like, we like the crazy side of some of these theories, but there are people who legitimately think that like Bill Gates is this terrible person who is responsible for all kinds of crazy things. And he has like, you know, he's involved in the coronavirus vaccine because he wants to microchip all of us. Like we type right. this on our iPhones as we don't think that we're already microchipped. Ayo. Ayo. And so there are some people that I've seen lately who talked about how like, Oh, haven't you heard that Bill Gates wants like, population control he wants to like kill a bunch of people and what it actually is is that bill and melinda gates have talked about population control in the sense of wanting to lessen the rate of infant mortality because Mm. that is a reason why there are still cultures today that even if all they really want is to have like two kids just like back in the 1500s people weren't i mean partly it was religion as well but a lot of times people were having many children because you knew realistically that your a good chunk of your kids were probably going right. to die before they. I'm going to have ten kids and maybe two of them will be adults. Yeah, exactly. Like which I had honestly never thought of before, and it's wild to think about that people would have a bunch of kids not because they wanted to have ten kids. And again, people then and people now had a lot of kids because they didn't believe in birth control or they believed that however many kids they had was what god's will was so there's that some of that aspect too but it's wild to think that people had a bunch of kids so that they could survive um and wow damn i just got off track and now i don't remember where i came from (laughs) shit i think that that kind of that adds a level um i mean i was gonna say the whole the i thought i thought you were going in the whole sort of like bill gates coronavirus plague yes well yeah i was Basically, I was telling, trying to explain to this person who believes this that um, that was the population control that he was supposedly doing was like, hey, let's make it so that less people are dying as babies or young children so that people don't have to have a whole bunch of kids because it's not necessarily good for them to have 10 kids 
maybe they can't like afford to even have them, but they're doing this so that some of them survive. Um, yeah, I can't remember where that started, but anyways, what you were just saying though, made me think about how much people probably to some degree, maybe like latched on to religion and to this sense of God so strongly, because like, if that was the one good thing in their life that had to be like, amplified by a lot to help them cope with how shitty things were. Right. Like they had to put such a high emphasis on that because there was so little else. Like they had to, they had to fill such a void in their life. Yeah. That's wild. I never thought of it that way. Hmm. It's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. So people were really stressed out. I mean, again, stressed is not even a strong enough word, but, um, There was a lot going on. So it's possible that for whatever reason the dancing started, people started to believe that it was a curse from St. Vitus and sort of the observers initially, maybe, you know, like I, I'm imagining it like you live in what maybe is like a relatively small town. Ultimately, like a lot of people know each other. And so you're kind of like watching these people dance. You're talking amongst each other. You're hearing from somebody else. Oh yeah. They were cursed by St. Vitus. That's why they're dancing. And then you start to think like, well, I'm not free of sin myself. And then you assume that you must also be cursed and you join in. Um, right. That was essentially uh, John Waller's theory here. So, and again, having the dancers on full display, which the city council did, did not help. Um, as Waller said, quote, the minds of the choreomaniacs were drawn inwards, tossed about on the violent seas of their deepest fears. Wow. Yeah. So, again, very dark. Very dark. Um, Which, further confirmed by, as a solid contender for a theory by the fact that this was the last of its kind in Europe. Um, The possibility of further outbreaks potentially declined along with the belief systems that had sustained them. So, again, looking at this through the lens of the time, uh, the mania itself was underscoring the power of cultural context to shape the way in which psychological suffering is expressed. Jeez. How insane is that? That is super dark. Like, I mean, I feel like you could kind of find, I don't want to say parallel examples exactly, but sort of examples of like outbreaks of sorts like this that have manifested throughout history that maybe just didn't look like this, but had basically the same underlying reasons. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, even to draw that comparison again to the um, Salem witch trials, it could be something like that, too, where, again, you're living in this time where life is just, you know, constant stress and um, no psychological safety. And, you know, one person, for whatever reason, accuses someone of witchcraft and then everybody latches onto that because it's kind of like a way to... Uh, alleviate some of your fear and release some of your stress and like externalize some of your stress rather than feeling it all inside. You can turn it outward and like attack something else rather than like deal with it internally. Yep. So if that could, you know, the whole mass hysteria thing could be more of a thing than we've ever thought. Oh yeah. I think it's wild that, I mean, I definitely saw, I read some articles that were kind of not fully believing in the mass hysteria part and it's insane how much like we can see in so many examples, including in modern day times where people can be extremely easy to, um, you know, influence in a lot of ways, even pretty subtly. I mean, 
you can just look at today as a good example. Like it doesn't take much for people to jump on a bandwagon of sorts and people tend to really like dig their heels in once they're there. And I don't know, this seems like a pretty small thing on the scale of it. Like as far as people can have some pretty harmful, dangerous, toxic beliefs because they heard somebody say it and they were like, yeah. And it appealed to some part of them. It might not have been that they had actually had that thought before, but it somehow, like you said, like it made, I don't know, it was able like a way for them to externalize something that they were thinking already, like something that they were afraid of or some insecurity that they had. And so they just latch onto it and they're like, yes, like this is where I'm supposed to be. So like, is it really that hard to believe that a whole group of people would just dance? Right. I mean, of all the things that's like pretty, I mean, I guess not harmless to them, but Right. Pretty harmless in the scheme of things. Right. So And vaguely logical given the cultural context where they have that that sort of like that being a community a community event or like a way of like communing with whatever saints or whatever that they were that they believed in. It would make sense that you would kind of just throw all of your throw all of your belief behind the idea of like dancing to save yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. I think super dark. Yeah, I think that's definitely. So one of the other s- related but unrelated theories was um, so John Waller also drew a parallel with there was a laughing epidemic that engulfed a region of uh, Tanganyika. So this is modern day Tanzania in the sixties, nineteen sixty three. A couple of girls at a local mission school got the giggles. Their friends followed suit, and soon two-thirds of the pupils were laughing and crying uncontrollably, and the whole school had to be shut down. Um, Once home, they, quote, infected their families, and soon whole villages were consumed. Jesus. So doctors ended up recording several hundred cases, which lasted like a week on average. So that was a very fleeting one. Um, But just, again, the idea that this could happen. Like, these girls just started giggling, and it just spread. And then for a week, a bunch of people were just laughing and crying which god it reminds me almost of like the the um prion diseases yes like it almost seems like some sort of like mental or like a like something physical where like there's been like a change in the brain or whatever like what if what if this whole outbreak of dancing was actually some sort of like weird prion disease that was that came from the water it was like a waterborne illness oh shit that has never been yeah. like it could have died out and gone extinct. And it like, so it infected mm. all these towns over the course of 300 years and then went extinct. And we've never been, we've never had it happen again. Dang. I you didn't know? even think about that. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. Like it does, it does seem odd that it was, like you said, it was connected by the river, which again, if it was in a really short span of time, I feel like that could be, laughed off as that could just be a coincidence in a sense like that could just be i mean i don't know how big of a geographical stretch this was where these all these took place over the years but again the the 300 year span to me doesn't doesn't say that it was just people being influenced by a story that they heard it really seems like that had to be something else set that off whether it was a psychological thing or a physical thing there's just i feel like there has to be something else Um, Yeah, for sure. So, and then we kind of go to, he also was talking about, like, in cultures around the world, um, including, like, Brazil, Madagascar, Kenya, among others, people enter trances deliberately during ceremonies or involuntary during extreme stress. Um, 
And then once entranced, their perception of pain and exhaustion is made to feel smaller. So the modern day example could be even like rave culture. Um, <laughs> it's not uncommon for people to dance for days without very many breaks, without sleep or food even. And, you know, not that everybody that's at a rave is doing so to minimize their pain, but um, I, don't know, I feel like the older that I get and the more, I guess in a sense, like mental illness and mental health is still very much stigmatized these days. I definitely much less than it has been in the past, but I think it, at the very least, like maybe I'm lucky with the group of people that I surround myself with, but I feel like mental health is like very openly talked about and oh yeah, not so much like a hidden thing. Like people, I mean, if anything, our generation in particular, like is very self-deprecating and we tend to like make memes and jokes all the time about our various mental illnesses and like I feel like I know most of my even like acquaintances like what they happen to deal with on a daily basis whether it's like OCD or you know post-traumatic stress or like a whole number of things and I feel like people know about my shit so when you think about it like as much as you want to say like oh not everybody at a rave is there to minimize their pain but then when you think about it a little bit more you're like oh everybody has some level something. of pain right? or struggling or something. And it, I don't think it's like accurate at all or open-minded at all to say like, Oh, there's like a, a section of us that have mental illness and have trauma we're dealing with. And like a bigger section that don't, I think it's pretty fair to say that like a hundred percent of us have something, whether it's an actual traumatic experience that we are coping with or, some level of mental illness or multiple illnesses happening at once. Like, I don't think anybody's right. free of that. No. So. And back then, like, not only, not only could you openly talk about it, but you also like, didn't even know, like you wouldn't know what a mental illness was. You wouldn't know, um, you know, that you had, like, I'm sure everybody in this town back then was coping with some form of like PTSD. Oh yeah. From, you know, from either, watching their dad get horrifically mauled in a farming accident or, you know, some like watching your mother die of plague or something. Like everybody was dealing with some level of PTSD. Yeah. And not only would you not know that it existed, but you wouldn't be able to openly talk about it because you just have to be stoic or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, again, sort of that psychological relief. Like I feel like we're going through some degree of that right now where it's like, as much as there obviously are good things, but it's sort of like every day is just like another thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's just no, like you just keep thinking that things can't get worse. And then they do like just over and over <laughs> and over. They still do. And you're like, okay, like, so even in our culture where we have much more access to helping ourselves, I mean, we like when you compare us to the 1500s, like we could, I could schedule an appointment with a psychologist on my computer right now. Like I could talk to them on a screen of the phone that I'm holding, I could have like a, you know, a chat with a psychologist and talk to them about my problems and get medication prescribed to me or whatever. Like I could do all kinds of stuff and I have access to that, but they didn't have that back then. So even now with us having the access that we do and like the openness and the community in the sense, not even just of people near us, but like I can go on forums and chat rooms and talk to people that I, know on Facebook and like Instagram about all these issues and they didn't have that. And maybe it was even more, like you said, discouraged to even talk about it. Right. And people didn't 
always know what it was anyway. So like imagine as much as things like that can become the norm, like even if that's your whole life is there's not much food to be had. And like, yeah, there's these diseases going around and all of this chaos happening. That doesn't make it less traumatic just because it's your normal every day. So there's definitely a lot to be said for the mental health status of these people probably struggling hard so yeah maybe we'll have like a new outbreak here in the united states people are just gonna start fucking dancing dancing to death yep just like well that seems like a better way to die yep i mean given the way that 2020 is going i would not be surprised no and i would much rather dance to death than any of the other things that are coming for me die of coronavirus yeah so yeah good times yeah again yeah an episode i thought was going to be like really lighthearted. yeah no super dark no yeah super dark so that is basically the dancing plague of 1518 yeah go look into the other dancing plagues the other dancing manias because it's uh it's more interesting than you'd think yeah it really is it definitely more intense but more interesting and I would we would love to hear if anybody has any theories themselves for what they think happened. Anybody does more research into like all of the plagues to see what you think is the common thread. Um, right. Again, besides just the the uh I don't know, mental turmoil. Right. But yeah, we'd love to hear your theories. At us. Yeah, at us. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. It's pretty sweet. We post there sometimes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. come come commune with us in the digital realm. Yeah. Because we are we're back. We're gonna be back on a regular schedule here. We are always taking suggestions for episode topics that you want to hear. We've got a yeah. huge list right now and a bunch have been suggested, so we always try to shout out to people when we do a topic that you suggested. Right. Um, but yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Please. We back. We're back. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, that was a uh, episode number unknown. We can't. Yeah. Can't think of what episode number we're on right now. But. Jeez. Uh. I don't remember anything anymore. No. Yeah. This is pretty much just our lives now. Right. Not remembering anything. Yeah. We. We now have. Both of us have children that are nine months apart. So. Yeah. We're both living that baby life. I'm exhausted. Yeah, it's intense. It's like totally worth it. Yeah, it's the most amazing, awesome thing, but it is no doubt exhausting. Physically and mentally exhausting on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we rescheduled this uh, recording session like four times. Yep. It, we would have recorded this last week at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was going to be what? What's today? Saturday? Sunday? Sunday. Sunday? Yeah. I think yeah, I think we were gonna record last weekend. And then it was like, oh, how about Monday? Oh, how about Wednesday? And then here we are. Here we are. It's cool. It's we got there in the end. We got there in the end. Yeah. So we're gonna aim to actually record regularly now. We'll have episodes coming up like normal. It's gonna be great. So let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what we can do for you. Check out our Patreon. Yeah. Come talk to us. We're you know, one of us is always on Instagram, so message us we'll talk to you be great all right have fun well this is episode something of unknowable unknowable love you